What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for hanging out. It is a little shorter period between the last episode, which was the review of the Magic Keyboard for the iPad Pro. So go check that out this week. This episode, number 119, is all about the iPhone SE. So I have special guest Lance Yulinoff to come on the show. He's been a guest before. We talk all about it, the ins, the outs, the goods, the bads. So you're going to want to stick around for that. Also, this show is all about you all. All you have to do to be a part of it is call in, record a voice memo. We've been getting a ton of calls. I think reviews tend to kind of bring that out of you all. So I love that. All you have to do, record a voice memo, then send it along to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. You can be on Android. You can be on iOS. It doesn't matter. You could be on your computer. Love to hear from you. Your name, your number. No, not your number. We don't want that. Your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about, good apples, bad apples, the points you want to make, the questions you want to ask, or the corrections you want to do. You all make this show what it is. So would love to hear from you. Also, this show is brought to you by you. That is right. It's completely independent. Patreon dot com slash brian tong is the way that you can support this i've talked about in past episodes it starts at two dollars per month if the content i've given you is worth five dollars a cup of coffee per month i'd appreciate that 10 25 the 100 platinum level but i know times are crazy times are tough i'm independent and so i appreciate any way that you can give back to contribute to the show but the way you can support it a lot of benefits here exclusive kind of goodies that i get to every different tier when you sign up early access to the shows before they go public and completely ad-free versions of the show, completely. So you don't hear any of this. So all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash Tong to support, and I would greatly appreciate it. All right, let's just jump right into it. Here's Lance Yulinoff and myself talking iPhone SE. This is the review, plus I'm throwing in seven phone calls from y'all after it. So stick around for it all. Here's Lance and myself talking iPhone SE. What's up, everybody? Lance Yulnoff in the house, guest of the show, friend of the show. Hey, Lance, thanks for coming out again. Thanks for having me. Always. Um, you know, we we haven't talked since this whole quarantine shelter in place thing happened. But how are you doing with it all? I think, my like most people, I have good days and uh, not so good days. Uh, it's it's. I think the length of time, it's it sort of you're thinking about the whole situation starts to change. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in some ways I'm optimistic in some ways I'm a little bit more nervous than usual. And, uh, I think it's just, you know, there's certain things I just miss. Um, I actually really miss going into the city. I'm getting very tired of the space in which I work. You know, fortunately not tired at all of my wife. It's nice to be around (laughs) her uh, but you know, I live in a home with, with four adults because I have two adult children. And so that is not always easy, but, um, yeah, you know, I feel lucky. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm very lucky. I feel lucky to be employed. I feel lucky to be healthy. So I don't have any major complaints, but I, I, I do empathize with everybody who's going through this. Cause I think we all have similar feelings. Yeah, I mean, and also I think maybe before we get into it, because we're going to talk about the iPhone SE, I think the thing that is maybe more frustrating to me is just seeing people like even in Southern California, all of a sudden we started seeing some of the beaches fill up recently. And it's just and I get it because people are getting antsy, but it's just it's if we're going to be like that as uh, as a country or as a nation and we can't do it, we're not going to be able to this just slows everything down i I get it like a month people's kind of threshold was like eh, a month okay i kind of want to start doing these and i also get that there's many people that need to make some sort of income and because stimulus checks come but to just flock to public areas like that it it bought it that's what bothers me probably the most i i can i can do my part and stay home you know again you and i are both lucky enough to work from home and not everyone is but We'll see how we'll see what we'll see how we feel maybe like in another month or two. I think you're right about how this changes as time goes on. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, you know, one thing that doesn't change is that Apple somehow every year comes up with a phone that may not be the highest price phone, but looks to be the best selling phone that they have. And right now it's the iPhone SE. I thought it was really fun to kind of open it up again because it 
brought me back to a little bit of nostalgia, but we're here to talk about it, kind of our organic back and forth review. And I just want to know for you with the iPhone SE, kind of what were some of your first impressions? Uh, you know, I, I thought, of course, you know, I think that the, it's almost like the design is slightly iconic now um, because it's, it's, it's a disappearing look for the iPhone uh, and, you know, that, that, that sort of smaller screen and that smaller size. And it's, it's a beautiful little device. It's, it's uh, well, as always, just like the iPhone eight, because that's what it's based on. <laughs> um, it looks good and it feels good. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think I felt that familiarity uh, did not breed contempt. And instead it sort of bred this nostalgic wave. I was like, Oh, this is nice. And, and of course, it makes a big difference when it's not just a nice looking phone, but it's a bit of a beast underneath, right? Yeah, I, I, you know what the word you used? I have this exactly in my notes. I wanted to ask you, is there a little bit of nostalgia? And that's when I first opened it up. I'm like, A, it reminds you of, if, especially for those of us who have been following Apple or who are part of the ecosystem. And I know there's a lot of people that mostly, you know, that are listening to this are, it just brought you back for a moment. And then when I grabbed the phone out of the packaging and just held it, I'm like, wow, I kind of forgot how nice it felt to have, this is a 4.7 inch phone, right? This is not even a four inch phone from the original iPhone SE. And I felt it in hand. I'm like, wow, this feels good. And so right away, I, you know, just popping open the box, I had positive thoughts about it, which, you know, maybe in other situations, and also you do factor in that, we're looking at a 399 phone now. So everything kind of that I critique this under is under that lens, which is, which it leans well, which does, you know, does well for it. But um, yeah, I told, just like you, I was like, I I got, I don't, I would never say warm fuzzies or butterflies, but it was kind of nice to open up and grab and look and you're like, Oh my gosh. It's like, (laughs) it's like seeing an old friend. It's like seeing an old friend. Right. And you, you, you give it a little bit, I think you give it more leeway because of that. And obviously it's, you know, it's not just the screen size and the size, physical size of the device. This is kind of the last gasp of the home button of the physical home button, even though it doesn't actually move and use haptics to feel, to fool your finger into thinking it moves. You know, when you've spent all your time living with uh, an iPhone 11, you know, uh, even the previous generation, you lived without a home button and you've gotten really used to face ID and the sweeping from one direction as opposed to the other to get the control panel of uh, the control center. It, it, it's like it's like you jumped back in time and your thumb <laughs> is your thumb is kind of doing this confused circle around the screen half the time, not knowing, uh, you know, even just screen grabs okay so i'm oh let's grab that screen i <laughs> press the two buttons and nothing would happen i'd go what am i doing oh my god i've got a pre-. you know all of these little things that i'd kind of forgotten i tried uh when i was testing it i tried as much as possible to leave my other phone aside and just spend quality time with it uh which allowed me to see both the benefits of having you know that button but also the 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 larger limitations of essentially the screen Mm-hmm. Now, so we're going to start talking about the things we liked and maybe things that we didn't. So let's start off with you, things you liked, thing that first stuck oh, out. Well, it's got the A13 Bionic. I mean, then what are you like, hey, let's take, you know, like a, a, a Corvette engine and stick it into a Volkswagen Beetle, you know, just... <laughs> Like, whoa, like that, I, I was really surprised that they did that. I mean, they, it, it's, and it's also, I mean, there's a lot of ways in which that's remarkable because, you know, this is a powerful CPU that has to eat more, uh, you know, more power than, you know, the A11 that was in the last uh, iPhone SE. And I'm sorry, in the last iPhone 8, because really it's what we're talking mm-hmm. about here. And yet, um, you know, the battery life is still decent. Um, it's not anywhere near, you know, what you get with an iPhone um, 11 Pro, but it's still decent. And, uh, you know, that they didn't make it any thicker. They didn't, you know, they, they really didn't change the chassis at all to do that. So uh, really kind of a, a neat uh, technical achievement. And of course, one of the things, the really important thing that, that, that brings forward here is the ability to have portrait mode ph- photography on the front and the back. And actually, you know, you've got portrait mode on the back, you know, with your, your uh, actually not with your iPhone 8, but you have portrait mode with the, the lowest end the iPhone 11. But, you know, you get portrait mode, not just with a, the larger lens, but you have the seven megapixel lens 
on the front of the camera and they do a lot of uh, sort of tricks to make that work. And the tricks have a lot to do with the image processor and the built-in AI and machine learning that is on board on this device because you have the A13 Bionics. So that's sort of like the big sort of, that's the highlight. It's like, you're not just getting, you didn't just get an iPhone 8 with, you know, a better CPU and a crazy good price. You got this hybrid that does more than the person next to you who has an iPhone 8. Yeah, you know, I talk about it when I got feedback with the first initial reactions of Apple doing the iPhone SE. You have a lot of people in the comments and there's really two camps. One, and they're both very vocal. There's a camp of people who are, we're all tech enthusiasts when we're whoever's watching this stuff, right? And talking about it, mm-hmm. thinking about it. But you have first the group that's like, oh, the iPhone SE, I don't like it. It's basically an iPhone 8. And these are typically the people who are only looking at that high-end, brand new flagship iPhone. But right. we know that not everyone is buying a flagship phone every year, <laughs> spending $1,000 every year. That is, in general, this not even in general, that's the smaller group of the overall iPhone landscape. And you have a lot of people that, are, that love tech. Guess what? We're, we don't all have unlimited budgets. And so $399 for this phone, there was a huge vocal group that was, oh, I didn't even think Apple would do anything like this, just like you and I, right? Putting an A13 in an iPhone 8 body, that just that's just something they've never done before where they're, you know, and this is... Tim Cook has kind of been setting this up for a while where they used to offer us like all these four or five models of iPhones. And now all of a sudden the entry level iPhone is one of many, but it has the guts of a current iPhone. And so there's a lot of users out there that said, I already know which phone I'm getting. I'm getting the iPhone SE. So I think you you really have such a not only speaks to how broad of appeal this specific phone has people that understand what their budget is and who this phone is for. To me, when I was using this, I didn't feel like this was a budget phone, right? It sure had some of the tech that we've had in a previous eight, but fine, call it a budget phone because it's three nine nine. But to your point of talking about just the camera, you know, you might think uh, Apple might take a step back on some of the camera tech. And yes, it's not the triple lens camera of the iPhone eleven Pro, but you know, if I give my give my mom this camera, if I give even my nieces and nephews who are teens they're not going to complain about because they're get they're at least getting portrait mode and the lens is still really great it's not it doesn't feel like ah this is this is a lens from 3 or 4 years ago no you're still getting a legit camera here yeah you're getting an excellent camera uh, you're getting functionality you're getting all the augmented reality capabilities you know there's once you put that cpu in there you know that this phone can do everything, including edit 4K video. Mm. I mean, but you've got obviously a smaller, uh, the storage space is 64 gigs to start, which is good. It's double what you, uh, you know, would have gotten. I think, what what did the SE, original SE start at? It started 16 gigabytes, I think. Yeah, back uh, then, back then, yes. Yeah, but this is, you know, it's better. I still want, I still want everyone to start at 128 now because yeah. you, know, you shoot high, you know, if you're going to shoot 4K video, you've got to have that. <laughs> But um, but the reality is this is, you know, you're getting all of that power. And, you know, the only way in which I felt where I would stop myself and go, now I can kind of see where I'm, what I'm losing, especially because I had the other phones near me, is that the sque- you're squishing really great experience into a smaller space, mm-hmm. no matter what. It, it, it changes that experience on certain games you're playing, uh, you know, if you're going to watch like a whole Netflix movie on it. So those things, of course, are going to be different. But I agree with you. This phone, you know, when you think about the price, $399, that's not $399 subsidized. Mm-hmm. That's $399 base price. If you had a phone, an older phone, you could trade that in. You're probably going to get it even cheaper. You know, it's 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 the right price for people buying their a phone for their teenagers, the tweens, uh, definitely you know uh, adults, you know older adults who maybe don't care that much about big screens and really just want something that's easy for them to handle. Uh, it, I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be very popular. Um, and I definitely had people well before they read my review saying to me, oh, yeah, I've already ordered. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and and by the way, it's timing, you know, and I don't, I've been trying to decide whether Apple truly planned this 
you know, or, or it fast-tracked it because it realized the timing would be so important. But having a more affordable iPhone in this time where people are going to really be rethinking these bigger purchases is, is honestly very smart. Yeah. In, in an earlier interview that I'd done, Rene Ritchie had me on his podcast. You know, you and I share a lot of the same thoughts because, look, we didn't want coronavirus to happen. No one did. But there oh. is not a better time for Apple to release a phone like this at this price. They're quite, you know, everyone has been kind of, and they've been now in a weird way, they're bucking the trend, but in the reverse way. Remember, Apple was the one that drove all these phones up to the $1,000 price point benchmark. And so you see other phone manufacturers follow suit. You have OnePlus who basically put out one of their most expensive phones where before they were like, oh, they are the, I wouldn't say budget, but the most affordable uh, flagship phone out on the market. But they're like, hey, we're going to go in the high direction now. And all of a sudden, <laughs> right, everyone's yeah. digging because Apple started the every when I, when everyone zigs, Apple tends to try and start to zag. And that's exactly what they did with here. Now you look at this and the A13, it's not only just buying this for a year, but we're talking about a phone that this processor, quite honestly, and with iOS updates it's probably going to last yeah. most users at, at especially the user at this level at least 3 years. You know, I'm going to oh, yeah. I'm going to argue to say 3 to 5 years for this type of user who doesn't who doesn't need all the power but is getting all the power. Quite honestly, even the A13 we the apps that we have other than it we aren't seeing really to me the full potential of what these processors can still do in these devices. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so so the timing of it this is, is incredible. Yeah, it's amazing to me still how much headroom there is in mm-hmm. Apple's A series. And this has been consistent. And, you know, I do, I benchmark these phones every time I get them. And, you know, and I try to explain to people that at this point, the numbers don't mean that much. Yeah. But pure play performance, when you want to understand, you know, how these, uh, these, these CPUs are going to handle basic operations, and it's, it's never a contest. The A chips, including the A13 Bionic, beat the best that Qualcomm has over and over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still think that the the app developers have not entirely tapped into it. You know, on the desktop space, you know, the Windows and, and even to a certain extent the Mac space, you could quickly see where somebody had developed an app that was pushing the envelope and you were kind of trying to figure, well, can I get more memory in it? What can I do to sort of to get to a place where I can handle this? You know, I, I've got professional level apps running on these devices, and I still, I still don't see. You know, I don't see the the slowdown. I don't see any of that, and it may be partly how mobile technology is developed to handle threads, and, and so differently than than these desktop systems. But at the same time, uh, I remain impressed. And so, you know, it's a very big deal to put your best processor in a three hundred ninety nine dollar product. Yeah, I and w- what you kind of touched upon when you said I don't know if they planned this or not. I I don't. They obviously didn't plan the timing of this, but they clearly they they see better data than we do. You know, even the fact that the iPhone XR when it came out that was their best selling phone. It was their um, most affordable phone from the quote unquote new released phones. Then you had the iPhone 11, which became the best selling phone of that year for Apple, which was the most affordable phone of that crop of phones. And all of a sudden they say, you know what? And this, you know, Tim Cook, supply chain manager, margins, they have, they're not putting down or investing any costs into the body of this phone, right? They have all the tooling. They're just putting a freaking beast of a processor inside of it, giving it some camera tweaks and pricing it at $399. And like you said, I did not think Apple would quite honestly ever do something like this, but now it's kind of change the game change the industry because if someone asked me everyone asked me oh should i get should i get this phone and i asked them well what do you do with your phone because that's really the most important thing i would say 95 percent of those people quite honestly would be just with just purely what they do with their phone and what they want would be fine with the iphone the new iphone se now if you want better more advanced camera features and you want the bigger screen you go, you know, you you jump the next level up. But right. when this is a phone that is going to be on the radar for pretty much every single person that asks me what phone I should get, and it's one of the considerations, and it's three ninety nine versus everything else that's probably what 
$7.99 and higher if you're talking about the new flagships that come out. Mm-hmm. That also just tells me, right, not only is this going to be Apple's best-selling phone, this arguably, and I think it will be the best-selling phone, period, in 2020 when you talk about just pure units. Well, it remains to be seen, but specific model, this has got to be it when I think about it that way. Yeah, I think... Uh, I, uh- uh, in Apple's sphere, without a doubt. Now, you know, obviously, you know, if you step back for a moment and you look around in the Android world, you will absolutely find uh, cheaper phones mm-hmm. uh, that have even more functionality, mm-hmm. that are bigger, bigger screens. They, you know, edge-to-edge displays. You know, Samsung's A series, uh, Galaxy A series, is a good example. Uh, and there are phones that are there's like a two hundred and fifty dollar phone, cheaper, has more features. But that doesn't necessarily make it a better phone, but you know, there are people who are going to step outside the Apple world who will always find better deals, mm-hmm. period. I know mm-hmm. that. But I also think that, you know, you this is the thing about the the uh, the new SC. It's like it didn't, even though it sort of inherited stuff, but it inherited stuff that they might have said, hey, since you've got these extra features, we can add some, we can make it 599 or, or, or 499. You know, for example, it has wireless charging. It is IP67 rating. And so those two things are typically found. I mean, I know the iPhone 11 Pro is IP68, but that's a, a half meter of, dis- <laughs> of difference, basically. Same amount of time in the water. Uh, but they all have the Qi wireless charging. So, you know, they did not make those value adds. They just said, you get those because mm-hmm. this design has them ready. You get them. And just that's great. That's smart. They weren't looking to pull in yet more money on the margin. They they said we're going to make this such a good value for people. They are going to they're going to be compelled to buy it. All right. Thanks again to the sponsors of this episode. It's you, Patreon.com slash Brian Tong. The way to do it. Completely independent over here. I'm so grateful for your support. Starting at two dollars per month, we got the five dollar, ten, twenty five, one hundred dollar level. All these different bonuses that come with it, early access to the shows, and completely free ad version. So you heard about it in the beginning. Just want to remind you, thanks again so much for all of your support. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is the way to do it. It's kind of an interesting, true evolution. And this is now, when I see a product like this, this is clearly, right, the Tim Cook era of Apple. We we go from one phone from the SJ era, the only phone that you get, to now not only a super diverse lineup where they're selling older mm-hmm. models, but a legitimate budget level entry phone that I can't even call it budget other than the fact that it's prices budget. Like that's that's how yeah. I feel about this phone, right? Um, question, go, you're going to go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that that's, that's the world we live in now. And I was, when I started writing, I started immediately thinking about the Steve Jobs era of the iPhone. And, and in general, he really thought about singular products. You know, for example, there was an iPad. There wasn't even an iPad mini. <laughs> now, granted, he may have been thinking about the iPad mini because it came out a year after, less than a year after he died. So he's probably some involvement. But by and large, his thought process was really, I'd rather just have one. Two at most if I have to, but I really like one product. And with the iPhone, it was his, just his his baby. And so he tended, I felt like he really protected it against slicing up that market. And of course, uh, Tim Cook, because of his background, sees things, I think, in a very different way. And he's been proven correct that there mm-hmm. there's a an iPhone for everyone. You know, So when someone goes shopping and they go to the site, they see not just a range of features and styles, but they see a range of prices. And ultimately, people are super price conscious. Uh, conscious. And I say to people when they're going to buy technology, I say, well, well how much can you spend? Mm-hmm. What's the price of, you know, what's the size of your box? Because that's going to define what you get. That if you, you, know, you should never start by saying, I want this, unless you <laughs> plan on saving the money and you're going to wait a while. Otherwise, what can you get right now based on your budget? And Apple has something for theoretically everyone. Uh, one of the things that I mentioned that I liked, that I missed, I've always been a big fan of it. And it depends on who you are and how it responds to you. But I I still love Touch ID. It's still more responsive for me than Face ID. Yes, the screen design is different because of it. But at its fundamental level, I, st- I still loved Touch ID. Did you like it? Or you're saying, eh, I could do without it. I'm, I'm fine with Face ID. Where did you fall um, in, in that range? 
it's just a matter of I got trained. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I was I certainly was a person when it was going away that I wondered because I felt that the that the the home button was an iconic part of the iPhone and the iPod, and you know, I was like this is this this invention of Apple's in a way, and uh, I think I was sad for for a time, but I got you know. The convenience for me of Face ID, and I don't just use Face ID to unlock my phone. I use Face ID to access other things, you know, that I'm unlocking apps with my password, with my face. And this happens very quickly. And mm-hmm. so, or I'm buying apps. And uh, and so I got used to that. Uh, the speed is theoretically exactly the same with uh, Touch ID, but it's a physical action, right? Mm-hmm. If you happen to be looking at your phone when you're doing the whole process, everything happens automatically because you're looking at your phone, Face ID sees you. But if you're doing it with the Touch ID, you do have to remember to put your finger on that button. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a hair, like a tiny second more, <laughs> half second. Uh, so it's a convenience thing. Uh, I think that uh, without a doubt, uh, Touch ID had its time. And, you know, it's interesting because we're going to get to a point, I think, when Apple's going to make a decision about whether or not they have fingerprint reader under the screen. And the only reason that I think they wouldn't if they decided that it was not secure enough for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've seen different implementations of under the screen stuff, and I've seen some that are fast and really good, and I've seen some that are kind of terrible. And so Apple, as usual, would sort of sit back and wait and see when the state of the art is at the level it wants, and then it would tweak it so it's even better for itself because that's what it does. Uh, but yeah, you know, it was just, again, for me, having Touch ID back was sort of like, oh, hello, old friend, and, mm-hmm. you know, nice to see you, and <laughs> you still function, and that's great, and this is my thumb. You remember it, right? And that's how I felt. Did um, I, I have to note it was really funny. You While you were talking about Face ID and Touch ID, you, uh, I don't know if this was a subconscious slip, but you said automagically. Unless oh, that, no, was, that was unless, on, that was oh, that, on, that, that was, was purpose. on purpose. <laughs> that was totally on purpose. I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to stop you as you're talking. Like he just said automagically, didn't he? And like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, good. Well, you know, yeah, now, yeah, now, yeah, now. It's the Apple world. Um, let's talk about maybe some things that set you back. It was for me again. There wasn't too many things that I said. Uh, I don't like this because. When I first pick up this phone, again, everything is under the lens of this is a $300, $399 phone. I would say the thing that might have, you know, threw me off the most was what you alluded to earlier is just relearning the UI and kind of because we have trained ourselves to be so gesture interface, just used to it like second nature. And I remember when we first went from Touch ID to the gesture interface, even that was like, wait, what? But then it, it became second nature pretty quick. It was almost making your brain work backwards was might have been the biggest obstacle of actually using this phone. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, if I had to pick out one thing that was a disappointment, uh, it would be that you can't, and I don't even own a pet, but you can't do portrait mode photos of pets and inanimate objects. Yes, correct, objects. correct, correct. Like food, and, like food. You can't, do, it doesn't work with food. right. Right. And so it's not a big deal. Uh, most people are definitely taking portrait mode shots of their, their family, friends, coworkers, or whatever. Uh, but it was sort of a late dis- discovery of mine. I was, cause I was, I think I went outside and I was taking a picture of a flower and I saw that I hadn't seen that message since the, like, I think 11 R and I was like, Oh, huh. Uh, you know, a 10 R I should say. Okay. I was like, that's interesting. Uh, okay. So they couldn't, you know, there's a limit to what they can do with an, with the algorithm to get it, to recognize that. But at the same time, you know, knowing them and knowing what they can do with software, who knows, there may be an update that comes along. I just think it's a small thing. Uh, but that was the main thing that I noticed where people might be disappointed because it's, you know, it's definitely some people who will buy the phone thinking, I can't wait, you know, Fido's going to get all these beautiful photos and, you know, and it, it, it doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Fido. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I really do think that, you know, if you have been spoiled by a larger screen, you could find this screen a little bit constricting. You just can be like, ah, oh, this 
that's a little small. And, and, you know, I mean, even just when you've been given more space to type on a, a virtual keyboard, well, you tend to get sloppy. <laughs> and then when you're suddenly thrown into a smaller keyboard, you're like, oh my God, this is a disaster. I can't type anymore. Uh, so, you know, we tend to fall into habits based on what is in our hands. No, absolutely. And, uh, so that's not necessarily, you know, it's like you have to understand the screen you're getting. 4.7 inch screen is compared to the world we live in is a relatively small screen, although it's certainly bigger than the four inch screen you had on the, uh, the, the SC, which is basically the, you know, the five and five S. And, um, I had one, I actually have an old, uh, five, I think it's five S that no longer powers up. I can't charge <laughs> it anymore. So I only have it sort of as a, it's like a brick, a little size representation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's tiny. I mean, you really want to talk a tiny screen and you're like, and we lived with this and we lived with smaller than this, yep. you know? And, and so, you know, we've been spoiled. Uh, but again, as you said, you're hundred percent right. You have to look at this in, you know, in, you know, from the perspective of three ninety nine. you know, <laughs> that's a great price. And, uh, you know, if they come out with, a an update to this uh, next year, and they keep it around a little while. You might get it for two ninety nine. So you oh never my know. goodness! <laughs> I mean, you you know, when you throw it out like that, you make another great point of like, you know, will they come out with the new, you know, an eight with an A fourteen, or will they just keep it around, knowing that, like we talked about, there's so much overhead on this, they could just chop a little more off the price of that and keep it around for like honestly two years, three years, if they really wanted to. That's that's I mean, kind of crazy to think. I, I, I think that, you know, they've, they are tending to, you know, because they've seen what they can do even with the more expensive phones, how much they can sell. So, you know, if you make something really affordable too attractive, you can undercut some of the better margins you get on higher priced phones. You know, there's, there's some, that that's a whole calculation that they're doing all the time. So, you know, the, I'm sure they're trying to maintain some balance, you know, 399 with parts that they have on hand with, you know, don't have to do any retooling and all that. And that, you know, using the same CPU, there is an efficiency there. Uh, so they're not producing, you know, an older CPU for an older phone. You know, there's, there's things that they're doing there that actually help them financially. And so, you know, going to, you know, offering this phone someday for 199 might seem like a great idea for us, certainly, but for Apple, uh, and I'm sure it'd be a blockbuster seller, but they wouldn't make as much money, period. You know, they they have all of our customer info. They know exactly what you and I actually buy, and they know what everyone else actually buys, and they see those exact numbers of where the different audiences are on how often they've upgraded, how much they've spent, average you know price they've spent on an iPhone. So... They they know exactly what they're doing here. <laughs> they've been they've known this for <laughs> they've known this and they know this for a long time. So Lance, I guess we'll get to our final verdict when we talk about this phone. More than anything, not is this a phone you should buy, but who is this phone for? Um, for you? Uh, well, hundred percent. It's for um, I think it's for tweens. You know, the parents buying uh, their first phone for their kids. 100% makes sense for them. Uh, I think it's for, uh, you know, like parents, elderly parents, aunts and uncles who are not, you know, into the biggest phone, don't want to handle something really large and like something that's comfortable to hold and easy to use. Um, it's for people like my wife. And I could tell you an entire story about how <laughs> I bought my wife, the I, I wrote about it, the iPhone 8, not realizing what Apple was going to do. I don't know why I didn't pick up, didn't pick up on it. But I bought her the iPhone 8, and now I'm just like, oh, mm. why mm. did I do this? So, you know, it's somebody who doesn't, who's tech savvy but doesn't like a lot of change and has had the Touch ID forever and was just as happy to keep that, and but wanted portrait mode photography. And had told me that. And at the time, I was like, well, I know she doesn't want to spend that. So we, again... So I know who this is for, and I think it's just sort of a real sweet spot for a very large market segment. Yeah, I mean, I call it, you know, the iPhone for pretty much almost everyone, you know, depending on really when it comes to that high-end audience or not. I think about last year, a, a little under a year, my niece wanted to get a new phone. And at the time, right, of course, they always want like everyone ideally 
aspirationally likes to have the newest thing. But the reality is that, yeah, you're still a tween. You're not going to get an iPhone 11 Pro. But basically, she ended up getting an iPhone 11. Well, if you fast forward that time when, window of time, that moment in time to today, there's her parents would have been getting her an iPhone SE. I, there's just no yeah. doubt about that, right? And so that, it, you know, it shows how different and how quickly Apple just kind of flipped things on its head. But like you said, and you touched upon people that just like the earlier tech, whether they're older or whether they're people that are tech savvy that don't want to learn new system. That's exactly my mom. She Right when she saw this iPhone SE, she had been talking about, oh, I need to get a new phone. And she deliberately said, I don't want to do the thing where you do all the touches without the home button. It just doesn't feel familiar with for me. I don't want to do that. And then this phone comes out and I'm saying, this is exactly for my mom. And so you just even think about family members or people in that general consumer range. And this phone is for them. I mean, it's going to yeah. most, you know, as, and yes, we're, we are talking to, uh, with the understanding that there are other phones out there on the market from Android that are at the same price, have do have more features or even at a lower price. But a lot of people that are considering this are already in the ecosystem. And that yeah. that ecosystem hook has shown its strength and how much hold it has over us over time. It it's a It's a power like no other in the tech world. And it's really important when people are considering this that Guess what? Some might someone might say, "Oh, why are you getting an iPhone?" And if you say it's because I'm in the ecosystem, that is a completely legitimate reason, and you don't even have to say anything else. And I'm like, "Okay, I get it. I get it, right?" Yeah, yeah, and not just you and your whole family. You know, we're for example, we have here the uh, Apple Music family plan. Mm. So, how good would that be if somebody didn't have an iPhone? That wouldn't make any sense. So there's there's sort of this um, this this sort of effect that happens, this uh, scaling or uh, multiplication effect that happens when you not only have a fa- you know one person in an ecosystem, but you expand the ecosystem to an entire family, and then you want everyone to have the iPhone, but you're like you don't. Everyone doesn't have the same iPhone, and you know the 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 so-called maybe mom is head of household. She has the best iPhone. Dad doesn't do much. He has a second grade iPhone. The kids they mm-hmm. don't need the best iPhone, but they. But they want the music, they want the games, and so then you get them an iPhone SE, and suddenly, you know, it all makes sense. <laughs> it does, it does. Um, quick thing, just in case someone does want to defect to Android, though, um, they do have the Apple Music app for Android, but I don't know how it may not integrate as well in certain situations. For example, true. maybe tossing over to like a HomePod or an Apple TV from your Android phone. But to your point, I have installed it and I have installed it on (laughs) Android devices too. I have to admit, I have done that. So yeah, that's very true. But um, I think there are other benefits um, even outside of, of Apple music uh, uh, to having everybody in the same ecosystem. Lance, I only brought that up not to call you out, but I knew, I know that someone listening is going to be like, well, actually, Apple Music does work on it. That's why I brought that up for no other reason. They should totally, they should totally come at me. You know, you know, Brian's the expert. I'm just a guest. What do I know? What clearly? What do you know, Lance? Um. Anyways, Lance, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, if you had to say your final verdict on this good Apple and eh, Apple bad Apple, where where would you throw it in that spectrum? Good Apple, yeah. smart Apple. Ooh, yeah. Real smart Apple. All right, um, Lance, can you tell everyone, again, where to find your work and how to follow you through all different ways of social media on the interwebs? Sure. Well, editor-in-chief of LifeWire.com, so please check that out early and often. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter as LanceYolanoff.com. On Instagram, same way, LanceYolanoff. And uh, Twitter is just, it's all just Lance Yolanoff. Even TikTok, it's all just Lance Yolanoff. <laughs> Look around. You'll find me. I'm posting important and ridiculous stuff on a daily basis. So uh, the the newest dance craze, go go to TikTok, uh, Lance Yulnuff. I have not done a single dance thing yet, but I've done other strange and pointless things on on TikTok. Lance, we're only a, a month and a half in the quarantine uh, shelter place. I it's coming. It's coming real soon. The dances are coming. <laughs> you're probably right (laughs) all right man well thanks again for hanging out and spending time and uh, just great commentary and thoughts here and really appreciate it lance that was my pleasure stay well stay safe all right so there you go our iphone se review good apple 
all around. Okay, so I talked to you all about getting to the calls. Let's get to the calls. Remember, use the Voice Memo app on your device, on your computer, whatever it is, and email it along to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. Would love to hear from you. We got seven deep going today, so let's just jump right into them. First up, we're talking iPhone SE with Lynn. Hey, Brian. Lynn here from Louisville, Kentucky. First off, I want to say thank you for keeping realistic expectations of the iPhone SE and just knowing that there's a lot of people out there who we love tech, but we don't necessarily need the flagship phone. And I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people. I currently have the iPhone 6S that I bought in 2015. And the reason I still have it and keep using it as a daily driver is it still works. The battery life isn't as good as it used to be, but it still works. And None of the phones between then and now really were compelling enough for me to want to spend nearly a grand on a phone with a feature set that I might not fully utilize. So the SE is really exciting to me because keeping the virtually the same form factor, it'll still fit in my pocket and still has the home button and touch ID. Those are things that I really enjoy on my current phone. So I'm excited about the SE. I say that's a good Apple. And for remembering those of us out here who love tech, but don't necessarily need the flagship phone every year, I say that's a good apple for you too, Brian. Thanks for what you do. Can't wait to hear more. It's really awesome. Yeah, Lynn, thank you so much for that call. I agree. I think it's a, I think it's a good apple all around. And it's a good apple for Apple too, because they're going to take that all the way to the bank. All right, next up, we've got our buddy David Ng calling in. Hey, Brian. Uh, big time fan. I uh, love the show. And I just had a couple questions for you. So now that the SC is out, um, I think it's a great value and I'm considering buying it. Um, I'm a longtime owner of an iPhone 8. And so far I've been loving it, but you know the battery's starting to wear and I think it's time for me to upgrade. I'm trying to decide if I should wait for the 12. Um, the only thing that I feel like I might be waiting for is the LiDAR sensor. Um, you know, I'm kind of a big fan of the augmented reality when it's in the form of glasses. So I'm kind of wondering, do you have any idea if that's going to come into play at some point? Are they going to need the glasses or are they going to need the LiDAR sensor to use any type of glasses? Um, and should I wait for the 12 or should I just go ahead and go with the SE? Thanks for your input. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks for calling in. So one thing is the honest answer is we don't exactly know how they're going to use the Apple glasses yet. But I would say from what you're kind of talking about or asking about, if I have to hold up a phone with a LiDAR sensor to then see a display with glasses I'm wearing, I'm not going to say I'm out, but I'm out. Uh, holding The whole point of right the glasses is to be able to see everything without holding anything. So let's just say the assumption is that the glasses should have their own LiDAR sensor within the glasses maybe right on the bridge of the nose or somewhere, maybe on the corner, they get it small enough. And so we don't have to worry about the idea of using an iPhone with the glasses. The iPhone is really going to be the brains, the machine, the engine that processes everything with the A13 or whatever processor they have. It's machine learning, things like that, right? So that the glasses can be light, they can connect wirelessly, but the phone is really the computer or the brains of it all. Now, if we're talking about iPhone 12 versus iPhone SE, it always comes down to what your needs are. Again, I think, like I said before, most people are gonna be just fine with the SE. And quite honestly, another way to look at this strategically is if you're talking about budgets, maybe you get the iPhone SE knowing you're gonna want other products from within the Apple ecosystem. Instead of dropping $1,000, what if you got an SE with AirPods and an Apple Watch? Things like that, are, it's it's something to consider. I'm not saying spend all that money in one place, but when you look at it in the long run, that might be a smarter way to spread your money as well. So the iPhone 12 to me is gonna be for someone who A, has to have the newest model because there are those of us that are like that. I, I don't actually conclude myself in that group because there are two times where I have not purchased an iPhone because I didn't think it did enough and I kept the model that I have. Now I have the 11 Pro right now, the 12 most advantageous thing will probably be if it has 
uh, 5G and you happen to live right near a 5G tower to take full advantage of that 5G. The cameras most likely will get better. Will we see a smaller notch? Will we see a fingerprint sensor under the screen? Probably not if the notch is getting smaller. The 2020 iPhone though, is kind of the point where people that laid off on the 10 and the 11 and the, and the 10S and the 11, the 12 is gonna be pretty juicy for them if they're the type of person that wanted to make that big leap but weren't willing to spend the $1,000 back then. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of users who haven't spent $1,000 that don't need to spend $1,000 that don't need to get the iPhone 12. So if you want the best camera functionality in an iPhone, I would say, yeah, that would be a priority to getting the 12. And then if 5G is a priority, get a 12. But again, 5G networks still aren't built out enough where you're really gonna see that power just fully displayed yet. The other thing might be, okay, future-proof yourself a little bit by getting an, uh, the processor in the iPhone 12, which will most likely be an A14, just so that it benefits you in the long run and gives you that little oomph for the Apple glasses. But I will say right now is the A13 still has a long ways to go to utilize all the CPU power it has available. And so think about this, an iPhone SE compatible potentially with the Apple glasses, if that's your priority, that's even crazy because they put the engine inside that phone. So just stuff to think about. It's never a clear answer. All right, next up, we've got Leo. Want to talk about that magic? Hi, Brian. It's Leo calling from Nova Scotia, Canada. What do you do? Long-time listener, first-time caller. Been a long-time fan since the Bitch and Tongue days. Love the show and the YouTube channel. It's really a must for me. Um, I just finished watching the the, uh, Magic Keyboard uh, review that you just uh, put up. And I was wondering, how do you feel the uh, iPad Pro with the new accessory now stack up against Microsoft uh, Surface Pro 7? And also the uh, new Surface Pro X, I believe. Thank you very much. Bye. Leo, thanks so, for so much for calling. What it do? Back to you. I also liked how um, I know you said beach and tong, but it kind of sounded like you said bitch and tong. So I'm all for that too. But when you ask about the iPad Pro Magic Keyboard, I didn't expand my thoughts because when I have a guest, I like the guest to kind of really be featured and talk as much as they want. Um, Ray Wong and I did a review about the Magic Keyboard. We also had my own video review. If you want to talk about it compared to the Microsoft Surface Pro, there's there's kind of two things that you want to consider. The Microsoft Surface Pro, let's say, let's talk about the 7 and the 6 because those are the most recent models. It depends on how you want to use your computer because the iPad excels as a tablet. The iPad excels as a drawing tool. The iPad excels with the apps mobile iOS-based apps that it has if you're into drawing and things of that nature, and games, whereas the Surface Pro can run full desktop apps. It can run Photoshop. It can run Premiere. You can actually do it capably. I've done it on them. Of course, you have to typically lean towards the higher-end model. So it comes down to how you want to use it. The iPad Pro Magic Keyboard really makes your iPad more productive, but it's still not the full capabilities of a laptop. And if you're someone that really wants those full capabilities of a laptop and those high-end apps, you got to look at the Microsoft Surface Pro. Now, you also mentioned the Surface X. The biggest issue with the Surface X, the design is amazing. I love it. The way that you can store the pencil, the Surface Pen inside the casing is amazing. The hardware is sleek. The biggest issue, and this is something that Apple will likely face, is that the Surface X runs off of ARM processors, right? So they built, they used the Surface X to kind of be, this is our first ARM processor unit. And the biggest issue and obstacle it had is that it's not compatible with all the software. And so that's going to be a problem depending on what apps you need to use the Surface Pro, Surface, is it Surface Pro X or Surface X? I can't remember off the top of my head. I believe it's the Surface Pro X. But anyways, whatever it is, that's why you might not want to get the Surface X slash Someone's going to check me on it. Just whatever. You get, you all get what I'm saying. So there you go. All right, next up, Ray. What's up, BTZ? Uh, this is Ray from North Carolina. I just want to say thank you for continuing to make content during this, this quarantine time. We really appreciate it. Uh, but my question for you is, what are your true thoughts on the A10 Fusion chip? Um, last year, I was in the market for an iPad Air. 
And around Black Friday, due to a snafu for a couple hours at Amazon, um, I was able to get uh, 7th Gen i5 for 180 And that was a deal I couldn't turn up. Uh, so I ended up with that one. I actually ended up with two. I ended up getting two for five for one. Um, and, you know, it's been good to me. Um, it's only 32 gigs, but essentially I use my phone as an excellent hard drive to save space. And uh, I've been able to do just about everything that I wanted to do on it. Um, I mostly use it for media consumption, but I've also been able to edit 4K video. That's, you know, I'm not usually shooting anything that's longer. It's going to be longer than about five to six minutes. And it flies through with the breeze. So my thought is I want to know what you think of the A10, um, how long it's going to be relevant, and, you know, if it's worth it still in 2020. All right, Ray, thanks so much for coming out. First of all, calling out and coming out uh, to the show. That What's crazy is that I remember hearing about this Black Friday special about people getting the freaking iPad for about 150 bucks, and I thought that they had taken that back, but you must have been one of those cats that is just on it because it sounds like you secured the bag for that, which is, which is killer. Now, if you're asking about the A10 processor, the A10 Fusion that's in your iPads, the biggest thing that I would say is how do you use your iPad? And it sounds like you're doing a lot of multimedia and it sounds like it's fine for you. And the reason why I would say arguably, if the A10 is doing just fine for exactly what you do right now, there's no need to upgrade to an iPad Pro yet. Um, we've got people using their iPad second gen because all they do is surf the web, watch movies, read magazines, and that's all they need to do. So for you, you're talking about doing some video, it's running through it fine, even 4K stuff. The biggest reason why I would maybe upgrade for you, not now, but in the future, is if Apple finally brings pro apps to the iPad line, which they say, um, or which all indications point to them possibly doing, because we just saw that there's the hooks of Xcode now in iOS and iPadOS 14, which will be coming out later this year. And if Xcode, which is the building blocks and the tools that developers use to write software for the Mac, if Xcode is now part of iOS 14 and iPadOS 14, that allows them to eventually, I won't say port, but make versions of their apps that are compatible in the Pro. And now that the iPad Pro has the Magic Keyboard, it has the hardware in place, it's time to bring now some of that Pro software in place, even though it's taken four and a half, five years to even get to this point. Once that happens, Ray, then I would say it's time to look at a newer iPad. But until then, if it's holding it down for you and you got it for 100 and whatever, $70 after tax, you don't got to do a thing, buddy. You're, you're on point. All right, next up, let's talk some uh, Apple headphones, maybe. Hello, Mr. Brian Tong. It's me, Shorty McShortbread from Scotland. Who did you think it was going to be? Well, I've got a question for you. Huh? Uh, I'm interested in those over-the-ear headphones that Apple are working on. And uh, I'd like to know, what range of headphones are they going to be competing with? Could they be competing with the Sony WH-1000XM3? Quality headphones, very popular. What features could make them stand out from other headphones? So I'm interested in that, but I've also got a bone to pick with you, man. You're always talking about that Disney Plus. Uh, I like Disney Plus so much. I don't come here to listen to Disney Plus. I want to hear the Apple news. Yeah, like those $700 wheels. That's the kind of content I want. But anyway, I'll smell you later. Pew! Man, I'm going to talk about whatever I want. (laughs) No, I'm just messing with you. Hey, uh, thanks for the call. So we're talking about the Apple headphones and... The thing is that they're going to be competing in that $350, $400 price point. And really the top two cats in that world are the Sony XM3s and the Bose 700s, at least in that price range, that all offer noise canceling and then have some of their own touch controls and features. That's what we're talking about. I know there's plenty of other headphones out there. Even arguably people will will argue for other headphones that are a lot cheaper for different use cases. But let's just talk about that kind of, quote-unquote, the new standard for the high-end $400 headphone. That's who Apple is going for. Feature-wise, they're going to have their noise canceling. The biggest thing that they're going to tout is their ecosystem play with the H1 processor and also 
the ability where you're going to have, right, ability to pair, listen to multiple users with AirPlay. It's it's more of an ecosystem. And then the, the other thing that they can really quote maybe wow us with is their audio quality for headphones at that price. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, the Sony XM3s sound ridiculous. They have all these different um, sound profiles that make them sound even better. They're my f- most favorite ones of the group to listen to between Bose and Sony, but they're more uncomfortable, they're heavier, and in a long trip, what I do when I fly on planes for four or five hours, they actually they become heavier and more burdensome. So I've even not I've even taken a step back. The Bose 700 sound great, sound great, but the Sony sound better. I actually, when I go on long trips, I go back down to the Bose QC35 twos, the Quiet Comfort two QC35 twos, because they're the lightest of the bunch. They still sound great. They still have noise canceling. And uh, when I was in China, that was the one that I ended up using the most a year ago. So, and I thoroughly tested all, you know, I tested them out just to make sure Hawaii, China, I've done, I've done a bunch. So it just comes down to really length of trip. But I would say right now, the XM3s are the leader. Can Apple top them in sound quality? I'm going to say right now, yes, they can. Will they? Because we've seen what they've done with the freaking HomePod which sounds amazing and has been going on some deep sales lately in case you're curious, but we'll see what else they do. I don't think they need to bring anything else other than make it sound really good, be part of the ecosystem, bring noise canceling, and we'll see what they do for comfort. Style, we know they're going to nail the style. All right, next up, we've got Chris wants to talk a little bit about, um, well, you'll see. Hey, Brian, this is Chris from the Bay Area. Hope you're staying healthy. I know I got cabin fever over here but thankfully I'm still able to work. My question for you is actually something that hasn't been talked about as far as I'm aware. Do you think that Apple will create a pair of digital health glasses similar to ones that help reduce blue light for people looking at screens as part of their health push? Let me know what you think. Bye. Man, you know what? I will say the crickets chirping in the background sounds like you were just outside hanging out a nice night just being like, I'm going to call BTZ. I like that, Chris. Well, look, I think that your thinking is really cool and interesting, but I do think that that might be something that is looked towards down the future as an option. You know, we don't know how these glasses are going to be. Will, what type, could they come with a, a blue light coating option? I think it's really smart what you're thinking about. Um, I just don't know if we're going to see it in Gen 1 because if you've looked at a lot of Apple's Gen 1 products, they keep it pretty broad. It does maybe one or two things really good. And then they let the consumer and the audience kind of figure out how they're going to really use it. And then that also dictates some of their direction. It's a different company from when Steve Jobs said, oh, I got you the best polished touchscreen phone with multi-touch that you've ever seen. And yeah, we're like the first ones to kind of do it and we're doing it right. It's kind of a different Apple now. If you look at the Apple Watch, how it was developed, Series 1 was very generic and very kind of had an open canvas to dictate what direction it would go into. It wasn't focusing on digital health. Now it's focusing on digital health. They completely redid the OS, which finally, which confirmed to me what I'd always said is the OS isn't that great. And then they finally brought in the new OS, I think around watch OS three, I believe it was. That's when I started being, okay, now you got my attention. I'm liking what you're doing. So like anything, it will evolve. But I think the kind of the blue light blocker feature that might be something way, way down the road in its life cycle. And finally, we've got another call, last call in the house from our man, Corey. Hey, Brian. Uh, My name's Corey. I'm a huge fan of the show. Um, I just wanted to tell you about one of the shows that I really liked on Apple TV+, Plus, which is called Home Before Dark. Uh, They just released it um, not too long ago. And man, that show was amazing. Um, I really enjoyed it, and we, we binge-watched that show really quickly. Um, so if you weren't aware of it, just want to make you aware of it and uh, give it a, and give it a watch. Um, it's really good. So that's all. Hey, we got Apple TV Plus recommendations. I like it. The, the biggest question I have for you, Corey, is will you still be subscribing to the service in a year when you have to pay for it? I'm not there yet. I'm still not there yet. Not at all. I don't know about you all, but uh, I'm abs- I'm definitely, definitely not there yet. 
All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. We had the iPhone SE review with Lance Yulinoff. We got your calls in. Continue to call. Be a part of this show. There's so much more stuff dropping. What, we're jumping into May pretty soon. So you know that May is going to be deep on rumors with WWDC coming in June. Then we got the July, August, summertime. Then we got September for iPhones, Apple Watches, music services, probably you know refreshes on a lot of the mac stuff it's it's going to be a cray cray year and apple doesn't seem to be slowing down during this quarantine time and again you know we always want to be conscious of we are lucky to talk about tech fortunate for those of you that are able to work from home for those of you that aren't you know thank you for listening i hope i can offer some sort of kind of escape but also a sense of normalcy but uh, we are thinking of all of you and uh, and i'm actually working on something for for that audience so hopefully i can get that put together very, very soon. But thanks again for listening, everybody. Also, big thanks to our Platinum Apples at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, and Eric Cohen. Thank you so much for your support. And if you haven't already, I should ask this in the beginning, but I'm asking you right now, five-star review this podcast. Put in a comment. Let people know what you feel about it because that helps bump this show up in the algorithm. Helps us all out. And again, patreon.com slash Tong is the way that you can support so thanks again everybody we'll talk to you soon take care be safe until next time it's the apple bits xl baby peace